Hey, this is Asia Dang. And this is Laura Varney, and you're listening to Heavy Topics with Lightweights. So cheers. You have rosé. I have red wine. It is 2.30. We started drinking at 1. So happy Friday. It's Friday, man. Or I guess Wednesday when you guys are listening. So happy, happy hour, wherever you are. How are you feeling after a conversation? I mean, honestly, like... I just, it's weird. I feel really good. Mm -hmm. Like I feel- You kind of feel empowered, right? I feel a couple different things. I feel like warm and fuzzy, Mm -hmm. which sounds strange for this conversation. And also like just fucking Beyonce level, Yep. bad bitch, goddess, powerful. So we're talking to you. Have you ever met Jill before? Yes, I've met her a couple of times. Okay. Um, I actually met her at a birthday party of yours. Oh, yes, that's right. She was at my birthday party when we went I don't to know what in West Hollywood was. Last like year? two years ago when I was wearing the white dress. I don't remember what you were wearing. I just remember the, where we, we were. We had dinner first and then we had drinks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lots of drinks. <laughs> so we're talking to our friend Joe. And I know Joe from kind of like being um, a blogger, a, a lifestyle blogger. She's like a relationship coach, lifestyle coach, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now she's a lifestyle coach. And she recently made public that she is in a polyamorous relationship with her husband and her partner, Chris. And I, I remember reading it and I was just like, my eyes opened. I was like, oh, what the hell is happening here? And then I texted Laura and I was like, we ought to, we ought to talk to my friend Joe. <laughs> this is crazy. Do you know anyone in a polyamorous relationship? I do actually. I know a couple people. I have a friend who is one, like a not super close friend. And mm-hmm. then someone I used to work with. I don't know any, I mean, I don't know anyone that is publicly in a polyamorous relationship. Yeah. The friend I definitely don't think is public about it. And it, she was the wife and then they had a girlfriend. Mm. And then the, the person I worked with, she was the girlfriend mm. of the husband. Mm. So I've seen a little, but not too much in detail. And like, I didn't know that much about it. Right. I didn't like talk about it that much. So. I just, I, I really do love, well, first of all, Joe is so knowledgeable and articulate and educated. And like for the first 10 minutes, we didn't know what to say to her. Cause she's just, like, we were just like this with our mouths open. Like <laughs> my mind is blown right now. What, what? Yeah. She's just like, is so articulate about this situation even though I believe like Laura and I, we're definitely monogamous people, but it is, she speaks to it in a way where you just find pure beauty in her relationships. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I think it's amazing. I just like, I have someone in mind um, while I was talking to her and I just like know someone who is in a horrible relationship, you know, and I just, I just want, want them to, if they listen, I I would just want, want them to listen to this conversation with Joe and like, just aspire to be that honest and that Mm. loving to their partner, you know? Yeah. Cause regardless of whether or not you're 
in a monogamous relationship, like that honesty, just being able, it's so scary at first, Mm -hmm. regardless of what you're talking about, like just showing your deepest, darkest self and like showing your truth all the time is really hard and it's really scary, especially in the beginning. But yeah, like Joe was saying in the, in the conversation, it's like a muscle that you have to flex. It's like doing yoga. The more you do it, the better you get. Mm -hmm. And like communication is just key regardless, you know? Absolutely. And I, and she's found, even though we don't know them personally, just through her talking about it, she's found men who truly do love her. Yeah. Multiple men. We're, there's some bitches out there that can't even find one man that respects <laughs> them. And, and Joe found two of them. Bow down. <laughs> Bow down. I know, right? <laughs> Anyways, this is a long, this was a really long, informative conversation. You have to be drinking something during this conversation. Yes. Like, like don't skip out on the wine, you guys. Mm-hmm. This is a good one. Release <laughs> your mind oh and any like predispositions you might have about this conversation and just like just set yourself free yeah set yourself free hoes um i'm going to read a review Ooh, oh oh speaking of yes we talked about last episode how we were going to just do 10 episodes this season but we're thinking of expanding yeah we're considering we're consider. i mean <laughs> We're considering. You know us. Our minds change at like a drop of a hat. Is that is that what it's called? Is that the saying? Drop of a hat? Yes. Drop of a dime? Drop of a dime. Someone take this one away from me. <laughs> Please stop. I was like super sober while we were talking to like Joe, but I was like drinking because I wanted to be in the conversation. And now that, you know, the conversation is over and we're doing our intro. You're like, oh, wait. I'm a little tipsy. Yeah, I'm a little loosey goosey. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to read you this review. The title is Love, Love, Love. love and it. it's from Amanda in San Diego. Mm. Been following you since day one, and I love it. Content is varied, and the questions that are asked are insightful. After listening to the episode with Michael Ojo, which, by the way, was our episode with my friend who photographed the protests here in LA for Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be interesting if you could get someone from the police on your podcast. I want to hear what they think about their profession and how they feel about so many of their coworkers abusing and killing the people they're supposed to protect. I think you're so good at having open conversations with people and hopefully someone out there would be comfortable speaking to you about it. Girl, it is and in the works. Amanda, we have listened to your request and we are very close. So mm-hmm. don't give up on us. We had two, we were trying to talk to two people. The one person I was trying to talk to just like bounced out once I He's asked. like, nah, dog. <laughs> but we're still holding hope for Laura's content. Yeah, I think he called me yesterday and we're going to talk later. So I mean, the conversation has to be had for sure. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing, and I'm going to say this under the pretense that I really hope it works out is that, um, he's also, he's a black cop. So, mm-hmm. which is like, adds a whole other level to the conversation yeah. and can make it really interesting. So is he super excited to hear, is he like currently active? As a cop? Yes, he's active and he is actually has been really good friends with my mom for a long time since like high school. 
and he's a black sheriff in the small town that my parents live in in Georgia. So there's a lot to unpack there. So it'd be really cool to talk to him and just like get his perspective. Yeah. And then we're hoping to also get my friend Megan on who is in a, I mean, she's married to a black man and they now have a mixed baby. Mm. So also trying to talk to her about how to raise um, a child in this environment. Cause I'm obviously mixed, but I'm not half black. And yeah. I was also born in Hawaii. Yeah. Everyone's mixed. So I can't really speak to that. So we're hoping to have her on next episode to talk about how do you navigate this fucking shithole right now? Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And then just before we go, you guys, um, we have mentioned multiple times that we really want to provide free advertising for black owned businesses. Um, a couple people reached out to us and mm. we got back to them and asked them to send bullet points on what they would like over. I have not received that yet. So you guys, we're trying to help you. We really want to. We are trying so. to help introduce your business to our five yeah. listeners. Just So I, I know help. you're busy. I know there's a lot going on, but like, come on. We're here. We're here. Let's do it. <laughs> so spiel. Uh, remember to follow us at Heavy Topics on Instagram. And as always, subscribe to this podcast when you listen and please rate and review so we can re- read your review next week. Yes. Oh my God. I, it always surprises me when we have new reviews. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed that we have Fingers one crossed, next right? week. <laughs> and Amanda from San Diego is actually our friend Amanda who is from San Diego. <laughs> I was like, Panda? Panda? <laughs> Who, by the way, we interviewed this season about COVID. And the yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Listen, ahead. we're definitely going to have reviews after this conversation, I promise Oh, God. I, <laughs> I just love, has, has this conversation inspired you to be more or less open about your current relationship? Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, listen, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of like, here's the deal. Go Fit Joe is like big public person anyways. Mm-hmm. So I think it's different, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Ooh, me. It is a conversation that we've been, that you've been toying, that you've been, I guess, like in your mind having issues with throughout this podcast season. Yes. I mean, I'm not, not open about my relationship. I say that I'm in one and that it's whatever. I just like, what else is there to say? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. All right. Well, we are so excited for you guys to listen to this episode. It is cuckoo crazy. And we hope that you find inspiration in it. Just like the empowerment that she has is crazy. Hell yeah. All right. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Enjoy. I'm so excited to be having this conversation. Like I'm, you so guys, am have, I. you guys have like fi- like got me in a really good place because I'm I'm finally, I think, and you could check in on me in like three weeks, but <laughs> I'm on this like high road of feeling really good about coming out. And then like there's this, I've talked to a lot of my friends who've come out when they've you know come out just with their gay or queer identities. 
Um, and there's always this like feeling of like, fuck, should I go back in the closet? Like, it's just this feeling that you kind of have to go through when you come out in different forms, you know? So yeah, it's you guys kind having of, a good week. It's crazy because Laura and I always have the conversation on our podcast about how much to share or especially Laura now, how much to share about your private yeah. life. And you mm-hmm. just like, boom, just, just like, float it. It. like yeah, you just like said, fuck it. And just blew everything <laughs> up on social media. What was that? <laughs> Thank like, you for that, Joe. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> it, it blows my mind. So how are you feeling about everything? I mean, now I feel really fucking good in my body like really fucking liberated in my body, to be honest. Um, when we first started this journey um, of just like exploring non-monogamy and even just the conversations about it, even having the conversation about non-monogamy is really scary to have with your partner, right? Because sure. like the only relationship models that we have all seen for a very long fucking period of time are heteronormative relationship structures, a man and a wife. And it's only been the last, what, 50 years where we got to see um, like gay couples and same-sex couples. And then now, you know, just queer, que- different queer identities and different queer relationships. And so you know, I think like having that conversation first off was like fucking frightening. Cause it's just like, how do you say this as a, as a woman, especially when even just like the idea of female sexuality is like such a stigmatized topic and it's such a new conversation. Right. So as a woman, like, how do you actually say this to anybody of like, Hey, I think I actually might operate better when I'm in relationship with multiple people. Yeah. And I, mean, I don't know if I believe in monogamy. Like I just, for me, you know, and just mm-hmm. even that thought is just like, oh fuck, I'm going against the grain of everything right now that has ever been taught to me. Well, and plus you had this conversation after you've been married for yeah, a long time. It's like for a long had, time. And you guys were going through so much. I just, I just listened to a couple episodes of your podcast about this because I had listen to some of your Instagram stories and mm-hmm. it was like mind blowing. So I had to keep going. And it's like, you guys were already in this place of like growth and change and expansion. And then you went there, which you probably couldn't say it before that or felt like you couldn't say it before mm-hmm. that. And so it's just like, just had to be terrifying, but also like a burden lifted off your shoulders, like a 100% off your shoulders. 100%. Because I think in, in any relationship, whether you believe in monogamy or not, just the ability to be transparent and feeling safe in being transparent is the most liberating feeling ever. And I can attest to that because I'm finally now at the age of 33 in a relationship where I feel that I can be that way. And it's, I mean, kudos to you, girl. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I love that you said that about the safety in the body because that's actually like a lot of what I teach when I coach women is to understand what it feels like to create safety in the body. And a lot of us don't know what that feels like because we've actually never had an opportunity to feel really safe with our own thoughts, feelings, emotions, any of that stuff, right? Like if you think about just like when we grow up as kids, when your parents immediately tell you, don't feel that way. And so you question your own feeling, you know, you question your own emotion, right? And so all of that even stems into how you operate in your own other interpersonal relationships or professional relationships. You don't even want to say shit. 
mm-hmm. anymore, you know? So yeah, it feels fucking good. It feels so good. Oh, yeah. Okay. So let's back up a little bit. Cause I think we we're just going to back up first. Full <laughs> we like have to let everyone know exactly yeah, what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Here. What are we talking about? <laughs> we know what we're talking about. But. Okay. So <laughs> Joe, let mm-hmm. me get this right. You are in a polyamorous relationship. That's right. So what does that, what does that mean? Yeah. So polyamory is the practice and or um, being in a relationship that is deeply intimate and romantic and emotional connective with more than one partner. And so for me, I have a relationship that I am in a partnership with my husband of 12 years, and we've been together for 18. And my current partner, Chris, who we've been in relationship for almost two years now. Hmm. Question. Deep breaths. Mm-hmm. Because earlier you mentioned people coming out as queer and queer relationships. And just so that I have the terminology correct, is being polyamorous also considered being queer? Or like, those are completely different. I mean, I know in essence, like I know what being queer means, I think. Yeah. 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 I mean, it all depends on how you identify with being queer, right? So for a lot of people, um, queer can either be considered a sexual orientation um, or a sexual identity. And so for some people, the way that they define queer is uh, the way they may think, or it might be like a practice, for example. And I remember stumbling upon a really beautiful definition of queer, which was about somebody embodying all these queer thoughts, ideas, beliefs, practices about how you want to live or how you want to have, how you want to be in love and how you want to share sex. And for me, that really struck a chord because while I don't identify with the society definition of what we've known as queer, I definitely identify with the identity of queer because I have a very, very queer way of thinking and a very queer way of living in terms of how I want to operate myself in my relationships, in my love life, in my life in general, and then in sex. So if I go by that definition that I came came across, then yeah, like I can identify myself as, as being queer. Um, in terms of like other sexualities and other like sexual identities or whatever, there's been times in my life where I was bisexual. And so while that's not something that I explore right now, it kind of, in, in a lot of ways, like the queer identity feels good to me um, and how I identify myself. However, like, you know, people in the queer community will say polyamorous or polyamory is not a queer identity. So the way that I see it is that whatever you want to identify with yourself is how you identify yourself, right? Yeah. So that's that's ultimately up to the person to make that choice of whether or not they want to define themselves as queer or not. I think what I love most is I was listening to your podcast, Hella Married, and just hearing you and your husband talk to each other with just such like openness was really inspiring to me. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Would that have happened if you had not shared this part of yourself with him? Probably not. 
Probably not. I mean, we were on the road to figuring out what we valued in our relationships and what we wanted to do moving forward. And one of the biggest values that we came up with or defined within our relationship in 2018 was we wanted to become radically honest with each other because we knew that, you know, in the, the years that we've been together in parts of our marriage, there are moments that we weren't being honest with ourselves and then we weren't being honest with each other. And that kept creating communication gaps and then eventually would create like just distance in connection, right? Between us. And so in 2018, we both were like, all right, we're going to be fucking radically honest because we are sick and tired of having to guess what the other person's thinking, guess what the other person's feeling, anticipating each other's needs. Like the whole trying to read each other's minds needs to stop because it's driving both of us crazy because we're not getting it right. And so we decided like, fuck it, we're going to just be really, really honest with each other and see where that goes. And, you know, when it came to him asking me, what is the one thing that you've never shared with me uh, in the 16 years we've been together? I was like, oh, fuck, we already like said that we'd have to be radically honest with each other. (laughs) And so here I am, I'm going to strip myself down naked and tell you exactly the one thing that I've never shared. Because I don't know, I never shared it with anybody in terms of me being in a relationship with them. Because even though these were my thoughts from when I was like 20 and 19 and younger, I just got slut shamed all the time for just having these thoughts, right? And and having the thoughts of like, well, why is it okay that a, a woman, uh, or why is it okay that a man can have multiple partners and a woman gets like totally slutching for it? Mm-hmm. Or even the thought of her wanting to have sex with multiple partners, even if she's not committed or whatever, like that even was a, a, a it's stigma. It's automatically a negative thing. And with yeah. men, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. They're paraded around and it's glorified for a man to be- totally it's insane. It's insane to me. So, you know, even when I was, I remember being younger and being in high school and even out of high school, having these conversations with other women, just about relationships and shit. And like, I could feel myself choking back the thoughts because I knew, I knew immediately if I was like, well, what's wrong with her having sex with like two dudes right now? Like she's, she's clearly not whatever, whatever's up to their, their relationship is whatever it should be. Like if, if their relationship is cool with it, then who are we to judge? And I would, I remember I would like want to say those things. And it was immediately like this, this shame and judgment about my own beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. Like you must be not a good person or a good woman if this is how you think of, of relationships. And it's like, but it's cool for dudes to, to think this way. I don't get it. I mean, it's also like high school where you're just constantly shamed for everything, you know, for everything. I mean, post that too, right? Like in your early twenties, you're like shamed for everything. College, I feel like was the worst. Yeah. (laughs) Way worse than high school. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, um, a humongous thing, like to be able to, to share that with John. And, and after that, it, it felt, it felt a lot more open. So the conversations that we have now, I mean, just moments before this podcast recording, he's telling me about this woman that he was in conversation with last night that he met off of Hinge. And we're just talking about their conversation. And I'm like, our relationship is so next level. The fact that you can tell me about your virtual date right now, and we're both just health, like we're, we're holding space and we feel healthy in our bodies is a really good fucking sign of our relationship. Next level. I have a question about sure. that. Yeah. <laughs> because 
does jealousy come into play? Because to be totally honest and transparent with you, since that's what we're doing. Yeah. My first reaction to a polyamorous relationship, forget you, just in general, the idea of it is like, oh, two people are married and they're bored in their marriage. So they just want to fuck other people. Like that is my first reaction. Mm -hmm. And then I started listening to your Instagram stories and listening to your podcast. And I'm like, wait, this seems really healthy. It's more than just this, this it's way deeper than that. It's way more complex, but like, does jealousy come into play for him or for you in these situations? Yeah, 100%. I mean, jealousy is a human emotion, right? So we still do, we still deal with it no matter what. And how we've managed to deal with like our jealousy is we, we kind of acknowledge it. We 100% acknowledge it. We're just like, "Mm, you know what? Something's coming up for me. I'm feeling a little jealous. And, you know, we slow ourselves down and we ask like, what is underneath that jealousy? What is that feeling? Because jealousy ultimately is a triggered emotion of insecurity, right? And so you have to ask yourself, why am I feeling insecure about this moment or this person? What is it about them or the situation that I'm feeling jealous about? Mm. So one example is, um, you know, John was mentioning how he felt really jealous that um, in the beginning, like in the first six months of just this polyamorous relationship, how Chris and I can just be in deep, 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 like intellectual conversation with each other and almost like the rest of the world falls apart. And John was like, oh my God, I, I get jealous of that. And I'm like, well, what is it that you're really jealous about? And he was like, that he can take you there in those conversations. And I said to him like, well, is that even something that you want to do? as a person. He was like, no, I don't really care for him. I'm like, okay, so what is it that makes you really jealous? And he's like, because it looks like you guys have a really deep connection. And I go, well, you and I have a connection that is light and full of levity and full of humor and full of just brightness that I don't have in that relationship. Mm. And so, you know, when I had to, when we kind of like pulled those things apart, it was like, oh, okay. So what it is, is this needing of feeling secure in himself and realizing what parts of him feel worthy. And even for me, like when John will go and like be, you know, connecting with other women or like, he's not actively physically dating right now because clearly we're in a pandemic, so he can't meet new people physically. Um, but when he went on a couple dates, like I remember him coming home and I was like, God, I feel a little jealous, right? And I'm like, why is it that I feel jealous? Like what, what is it actually there? Because I know I'm not replaceable. I know I'm one of a kind. So it's not about the other woman. I love I'm that like, you say that. Which That's one? incredible. Just like- I do too. You know that, you're that you're not- Irreplaceable. That yeah. You know that you're, I love that you say that because a lot of women just can't say that about themselves. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, that's what the three of us all say that we, we all kind of have this understanding of like, no one is trying to replace another person. We're just supplementing a individual need that might not be given by the other person in that relationship. Right. And so when it comes to like, like when it came to like John coming home, I was like, okay, what am I jealous about? Is it the fact that he's connecting with another woman? No, because that's clearly okay in this relationship. We've talked about this. Is it her? No, it's not her because I'm the mother of his kids. I'm his, I'm his fucking wife. Like we're, we're rock solid. So what is it? 
oh, it's like the actual laughter and the connection that he might have in that moment with this person. And so when I'm able to recognize that for myself, I can ask like, hey, I want moments like this with you. I want to have like, like some lightness or I want to have a night where we're just like laughing and it's just humor and maybe we just like smoke some weed and like don't really care and watch a fucking movie and just be together in each other's company. And so, you know, it's interesting when I think you, you start to kind of pull back and really examine what's underneath of jealousy. You start to realize that it's a need that you have that's not being addressed. And then you are able to then express, hey, I need this need fulfilled. And if you can fulfill it, cool. If you can't, awesome. Like, I just need to be able to express that. And if you can offer, offer to fulfill that need, great. I mean, I honestly don't even know how to talk to you right now because, like, you're <laughs> I feel like you're in a, di- I feel you're like you're on a different, different plane level right now. Like, like we're here and you're like over here, and we're like reaching towards that. But like, we're like don't how do we have an intellectual conversation with Joe? <laughs> we can just no, talk about I have sex. So many questions. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, also think it's important to like because. Asia and I know because we have listened to your podcast yeah. and all of that, but like, I think it's important to let our audience know kind sure. of maybe even just a summary of how you guys got to this place. Right? Yeah, for sure. So not only did we, you know, not only was there this one night within our relationship with me and John's relationship where he was like, what is the one thing that you haven't t- told me? And I was like, oh fuck, here it goes. Here's this truth it was the fact that I didn't believe in monogamy. And that was really hard for both of us to have to sit in because here is me actually expressing this, this truth and the fear of will my husband of 12 years or 10 years at the time, will he leave me after this? Because maybe this isn't okay with him. And for him, it's of course that feeling of like, fuck, what does this mean for our relationship? Has this bitch lied to me about like being in love with me? Mm-hmm. Or is this just some other part or, you know, whatever. So there's definitely this moment of, uh, of like instability because we had to figure out like, how are we going to make sense of this truth? And um, within like that week, actually, John started doing a lot of research on, you know, open relationships, non-monogamy, et cetera, et cetera. And he, he was the one who actually came up with, hey, I think like polyamory might be the thing that you're looking for. Because based on you saying that you're not here to really fuck around, you're not really like based on the fact that you said you want to connect with people and you're looking for like these deep connections that might potentially lead to sex or not. um, It sounds like what you're looking for is like, you know, just more, more connection. And I was like, yeah, I want to explore myself in other relationships. That doesn't mean that I don't love you. I just want to know different versions of me um, from other different experiences. And so he was the one one who actually found the term polyamory and then did a shit ton of research there. Um, And I was the one who decided to do more field work research and ask people like that I knew if they have been in open relationships, um, what were their experiences like? And um, uh, I reconnected with an old client of mine um, his name is Chris. He's my current partner now. And he was sharing with me his experience in non-monogamy because he'd been non-monogamous for about seven years. And so uh, it was in that conversation and that night where it was almost like, oh shit, like there is something here between you and I, which has never been 
anything before because we've always had a professional relationship, but here we are now actually having personal like conversations. Um, and so my interest in him grew, but it grew in a way of like, well, here's a person who's explored non-monogamy. That could be a safe exploration. Like that could be something safe to just explore what this might look like with me and my husband. And so, um, didn't really anticipate falling in love, which was like the biggest like, oh shit moment. And um, yeah, I mean, in the last like almost two years now, actually, we have been in a polyamorous relationship that has just been really soul nourishing on so many levels for all of us, like all of us. It's, I don't think either of us anticipated to experience so much growth and, and expansion in this relationship. I mean, like John and Chris, um, one of John's like huge must-haves in terms of me exploring non-monogamy or polyamory was that he wanted to become friends with the man that I was like interested in. And I was like, okay, that's fucking weird. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, you be friends with the guy that I'm potentially gonna fuck and also have a relationship with. Like, that's like not... I mean, it was, it was mind blowing to say the least. And, um, when they first met, I mean, it was like, they were friends for fucking decades. And I remember feeling so nervous about that meeting because here it is like, here's this guy that I'm wanting to explore a relationship with. And here's my husband meeting the dude that I want to explore this relationship with. And holy fuck, like, what the fuck? Like it was a real what the fuck moment for me. And I was so uncomfortable that night in the bar. I was just like sitting in the corner, like what the hell is happening? They're having a great time. They're laughing with each other, talking with each other. And it just, it was, out, it was, just, it was an out of, out of body and out of this world experience. And then in terms of just like now, like the boys, um, the boys like support each other when they're going through shit with me, which is kind of cute. Like it's really fucking cute. John will sometimes call Chris and he's like, dude, Joe is like acting a certain way. And Chris is like, just leave her alone, dude, give her some space. <laughs> and when Chris was traveling before and, and I would get into fights with, with Chris, Chris would like hit up John and was like, yo, Joanne's really pissed at me right now. And I don't know what to do. So I'm like tapping in and asking the veteran, like, how do I navigate this relationship? <laughs> that's cute. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's in a nutshell, our relationship. And it didn't start off like in the most smoothest ways. Um, when me and John started talking about opening up our relationship and in the same time I was in conversation with Chris, I overstepped a boundary that we didn't establish and I ended up sleeping with Chris before, um, before we had established kind of like what our ground rules or expectations could have been in like our polyamorous or non-monogamous relationship. And so, yeah, while, while it was not necessarily a full green light, um, it was, uh, it was just me stepping across a boundary that wasn't really fully laid out yet. And so while some people think of it as cheating, um, a lot of, a lot of times, like, you know, we've been deeply sitting about that, thinking about this. Cause we were like, it, was it really infidelity? Was, did, did I really cheat on you? And, you know, in some way it was like, I mean, you, you, yeah, Joe, you stepped over a boundary that we didn't establish. No, it wasn't necessarily cheating because we were opening up our relationship anyways. We were on that road. 
you know, so it was going to happen regardless. And I think it would have happened either sooner than it would have happened, whether or not it happened sooner or when it did, it would have probably happened at a later point. I just, I've never, I've known you, but I've never met John before. Mm -hmm. And just like, I think I said this earlier, just listening to your podcast and the way you guys are able to speak and then just you hearing the stories for the first time about your relationship. He is like a very patient, understanding person. Because I know I can think of a lot of men that I've dated in my life that if I came out and said, you know, I don't believe in monogamy, there would not have been a conversation. The relationship would have been over immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but you guys also had so much history. Yeah, so we had so much. It's history. like that easy to just be like, oh, I'm done. Like he was clearly very in love with you for a long period of time. So it's like, oh, she has this belief in this different way of thinking than maybe I do at the moment. Let me take a step back. It's a very mature way of doing things, obviously. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But like, let me take a step back and see how this can work because he didn't want to lose you, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also think too, like, you know, John and I, even from the very, very beginning, I mean, I've had a really rough um, upbringing and a really rough life. And I, he has always like loved and accepted me for me, no matter what. But that's also how he is just with people, with just people in general. Like the idea of diversity and inclusion that thought process, and I know we hear it a lot these days, diversity and inclusion, like we literally are a family who our our beliefs are like diversity and inclusion through and through. We don't, we don't close the doors on people if they're not in, in a, if they have a certain belief system or if they have a, a thought or whatever, just because of, just because it might not feel good to us. We want to deeply explore what that is and kind of understand why we think that way about something. And so for John, you know, I think for him, like he said this in the podcast before too, um, in our podcast, like he's never had to challenge his relationship thoughts before ever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this was an opportunity for him to kind of examine, well, what were my thoughts about a relationship and could there be a different way of loving and living? And then also, I mean, one of the things that he said to me, because I said to him, like, I, I didn't anticipate to fall in love. I honestly didn't. I, I thought I would have just really great relationships, maybe friends with benefits, cool, you know, whatever, but just the openness to be able to like go on a, a date with a guy on the opposite sex and have a really just beautiful conversation and feel safe that like my husband is, is okay with that, you know, and, and also okay with maybe like the flirting that's like super simmering and could be potentially physical. Like just knowing that was kind of initially what I, what I wanted out of, you know, non-monogamy. And um, when I fucking fell in love, I mean, even John was just like, it's not inherently wrong to fall in love. I can't, I can't be upset with you for falling in love with like somebody else. And, you know, especially when that isn't impacting the way you love me. And so it was like one of those, even for me, like hearing that was like, like, wow, wow. Like, you are transcending me in ways that I couldn't have because you're holding space for all of this. So what does 
logistically, what mm. does this all look like? Because you obviously live with John and you have two daughters. So how do you split your time or is it not even like that difficult? It just goes with the flow or how does it work? Yeah. So in the first year of me and Chris's relationship, he was actually traveling all over the world doing speaking engagements. And that was kind of easier because I would only see him maybe every three weeks and he'd come back into town and I would, you know, he and I would either like get away or I would like rendezvous, whatever destination that he was in and spend some time out there. Um, now because of COVID and he's grounded and like, he's not necessarily going anywhere. And a lot of his speaking engagements for this year have shifted to like online platforms. And so, uh, he now like lives not too far, um, away from our place in Oakland. And so I see him now, maybe I spend a night over there, like one or two nights out of the week. Um, and the rest of the time that I, I spend here at home. And, and is that so, a conversation you have before or do you just like pick up and leave and Yeah, yeah. I mean it's now now that the girls know. So we, me, John and Chris have been like hiding in the closet even from our girls until uh up until December of 2019. Like that's when we we let the girls in. And the reason why it took so long for us is that we wanted to make sure a like their relationship was something stable and it was something I still wanted to continue, right? Like there's no point of letting them in on something two months in, if let's say a month later, it was like, yep, mom's done with that. Like, that's not something she's, she's, she's tried it out. And clearly it's not something that's going to work. Um, and so we wanted to make sure the relationship was in a stable place. And that even for me and John, that we were feeling comfortable enough about everything and the entire dynamic before letting our girls in. So when we let the girls in and, and told them, I mean, it was a beautiful conversation. Um, Olivia was like, how come I was the last to know? And Iris was like, so what does this mean? Like, do I have two dads? And I was like, no, you do not have two fucking dads. Like, that's not even, nobody's getting replaced. Your dad is your dad. Chris is like, think of him as like the cool uncle, you know, that's what I was going to (laughs) say around. Like he's, he doesn't want to be anyone's father figure. He's not trying to replace anyone's role. And so once... And sorry, how old are your daughters? They're now 16 and 10. Okay. Yeah. So like once they knew, I mean, now it's a discussion with like everybody. Like, hey, mom is going to go spend some time over at Chris's. She's kind of considering one or two nights a week. How do you guys feel about that? That's cool. Whatever. That's fine. Okay. Awesome. So then that's going to be like what, what, what I might do. In the beginning though... Um, I didn't spend any time, like I didn't sleep over at Chris's place. In the beginning, it was like, I would go and have dinners and then come back home around, you know, 11 midnight or whatever. Um, And then it slowly became like, okay, you can stay there. I think I'm comfortable with you staying there, but like come home before the girls like know that you're gone kind of a thing because they didn't know at first. Um, And so, you know, it was a lot of like just adjusting until we figured out what actually felt right for everybody in order to feel safe and secure. How did that conversation go? Like, what do you say to your daughters about this? Yeah. (laughs) In terms of like what? Like which one? Like letting them know that it's happening. Yeah. Just the initial conversation. The initial conversation, um, I mean, it was a long one with Iris because, you know, Iris is the older one and she's, she's 16. And so John gave her kind of like a, here's like, 
the relationship with me and your mom and here's where we're at and here's the conversation. I mean, he literally like gave her a full blown timeline and like let her in on the entire history of our relationship, the conversation that night and what we've been doing since then. Um, and that conversation, you know, thankfully enough, my, my daughters living in the Bay area were obviously exposed to so many different things. And my daughter, um, went to a high school where in her health class, they talked about sexuality. They talked about consent. They talked about dating apps in this fucking like health class. And I, I couldn't have been more thrilled that they were having kind of more of a progressive conversation because the sex education that I got was just don't have sex. Um, was super absent based and it was very heteronormative, just male, female. Right. And her health educator, her health teacher even brought in, I think, I might be, I might be wrong with this number, but it was either two or four um, transsexual and transgender students that were from the high school just wow. to actually just expose them. That's, That's really cool. Great. Yeah. So like my kids have just been exposed a lot more. We have a lot of people, our, our deep friendships, actually, we have a lot of friendships with gay and queer people um, in our lives. So our daughters get to see all that. They get to hear all that. They get to be part of part of the conversation, at least of just like what it might look like to be in different relationships or even in different sexualities. So I think when we had the conversation, they were just so much more open about it um, because they've just been exposed to a lot more, a lot more things than we clearly have when we were younger. And, you know, at first Iris was like, so is this like polygamy? And we're like, no, because <laughs> I am not collecting any husbands. more husbands or not getting like, married and having not getting married and <laughs> like Chris doesn't want to have any children. So this like really works out. Like he doesn't want kids. He wants like a really like healthy, loving relationship that he can grow. And he wants to cope like quote unquote co-parent, but co-parent in a way where he just is it like he's just a part of raising kids. And to me, I was like, cool, cool uncle. Like that is your role. And that is how I want you to serve like this family dynamic. And if that's cool with you, then that's, that's, that's what I can offer in terms of that, because there's no, there's no second daddy here. Um, and so, I mean, there was a lot of tears in that conversation because I think at first it was just like, what does this all mean? And then now, I mean, just literally at breakfast, Iris was telling me how, I guess some stories that she was with um, with all of us at Chris's apartment celebrating John's birthday, and her friends were like, "Yo, I think it's really fucking cool that your parents are just designing a relationship that works for them. That's really fucking dope." And so I think now, um, I think now that it's become more normalized for even us as a family dynamic, it's just like we don't even think about it. We don't even think about anything being odd or weird or, or different. And she actually recently told me that there was a girl that she recently connected with from her high school who is, who identifies with being polyamorous. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's like pretty dope really as an cool. 18 year old, you're stepping into your truth and also educating yourself enough to know that there's other types of sexualities and relationships that you can explore as you get older. But also a girl of her age is able or probably feels more comfortable to step into that truth yeah. because people like you are showing that type of lifestyle on social media and like being open about it. 
Yeah. yeah. You know, um, so, I have a question about what it's like when you guys are all together, whether it's, whether the girls are around or not, when both, um, both guys are there, are you guys like, like go kiss Chris and the, you know what I mean? Like, is that <laughs> uncomfortable or how does that work? Like, do you show affection to both partners? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do actually. And that, that same, same thing with like spending time. Um, and splitting the time, that was also kind of an experiment to see what everyone was comfortable with. And in the beginning, it was like, you know, for Johnny, it was like, oh, shit, I'm not comfortable seeing this, especially around like the girls. Mm-hmm. Because like in the first half of, in the first half of the relationship, um, Chris would come over, but the girls didn't know. So he was just like a friend of the family that would come over, come visit while he's like traveling. And when he makes a stop in San Francisco or whatever, he's coming here to hang out with us. So that was kind of like that situation. And honestly, now, now after the girls know, um, it's, it just feels like so normal to be able to give affection on both ends or to both, to both men. And it's never like, oh my God, I'm going to full on make, make out in front of somebody. Like it's never disrespectful. It's very much so light, like first base kind of feeling and you know, all that kind of stuff. But um, it's interesting. It's interesting now to see a different kind of dynamic, meaning that like for the first, you know, maybe year and a half, um, Chris would be coming over to our place. And John is like, obviously the more dominant, like male energy in this house. And so of course, like naturally, he's gonna be, he's just, his sexual energy and power is just a little bit bigger because it's his domain. But now that we get to go over to Chris's place, it's interesting to see that shift where Chris is is able to like be a little bit more in his own like sexual power as a man and to be able to be like, hey, yeah, you're in my domain now. So now how does that feel to like see me and your partner together? And, And it's, and it's, what's great about it now is that like there, there are times where like I'm on the couch with both of them. We're watching a movie and I'm holding both of their hands and it's, it's totally fine. Like it's not, cause it's not like one is receiving more or less than, than the other. And that time it's just, it just feels very respectful and it's, it's taken some time to get there for sure. And what do you think, have you guys talked about what it would be like if one of these um, dates that John goes on turns into a full-on relationship. Like, what would that be like to bring another girl into the house? Yeah, we've talked about it lightly. Um, he's not necessarily looking to, you know, bring in. Like, he's not looking to bring in another um, full, like, blown relationship. Like, like the like I have at this moment. If it goes down there, you know, I think for us, it's, it's a constant just check-in. It's, mm-hmm. it's just a constant check-in with each other. Like, how do we feel about this? Do we all feel safe about it? What are our concerns? What about this? What about that? And I think what's beautiful about that is that there's just a lot of communication that gets to happen. And, you know, we've talked about, like, one of the things that we're currently in conversation with right now is the idea of um, California slowly opening up right? Like post COVID. What does this mean? Are we going on dates? Like, is that something that we're looking for? And, you know, for me right now, like I'm pretty fulfilled. Like, I don't think I need to have like a date with somebody, but you know, one of the things I said was, you know, if I get back into traveling again and should I meet a person, I want to know that like, 
at least that connection might happen and that's okay within our relationship. But I don't feel the desire to grow something more than at this moment. And for Chris, he's like, you know, yeah, if a date happens, great. But like the whole COVID thing still freaks everybody out. Like we're, we're all still very heightened about it and we're still very concerned over like health wise. And so for him, he's like erring on the side of caution. For John, he's going on like virtual dates, which is like really funny because it's like, okay, you're meeting these women. You guys are having like virtual dates, which is, which I think is really cool. Sometimes there's some virtual sex, which is, which is fucking fascinating. Like that's become the, the first base, you know, like these days. What? Tell me, what does that look like? How does this even work? I mean, it's just like having phone sex with somebody. Oh my God. And he's doing it in your house. Yeah. Like next door <laughs> in your next bedroom. Well, I mean, there was, a, there was, there's sometimes like when I'm gone and I'm on a date, like he'll go on a date, mm-hmm. you know? So like if I'm on a date with Chris or if I'm out with Chris, like he, he's, he's on a date. So that's kind of how he fulfills like that need of companionship and everything is like really transparent. So even for the women that he's met, he's like, I'm in a non-monogamous relationship. My partner of, you know, 18 years has a partner right now and like we're in a polyamorous relationship and here's what I can offer. I'm not really looking to have kids with you. Like I'm not looking to necessarily like start another family. Like I can't offer you the traditional monogamous like setup, but what I can offer is companionship, this, and I'd love to see if this connection grows and if it doesn't, great. Like it's, it's a very, like if it's a more fluid approach which then I think gives people an opportunity to just explore who they are in that relationship, which ultimately I think is what relationships are supposed to be. If you think about it, right. They're an opportunity for us to get to know ourselves and the other person. Mm -hmm. So what was the conversation like with your parents or have you not had this conversation? Cause you know, Filipino families are very much, very religious, very, very very religious and very kind of like, even if you're not in a happy marriage, you just stay in a marriage. Yeah. So 100%. Have you had that conversation with your parents or? I haven't yet. (laughs) So do they not know at all? I don't, well, so my mom sort of knows because I kind of blurted all of this shit out one time in conversation with her, but I don't think she fully digests what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, me and John, like we're, we're figuring things out right now. And I'm really frustrated with him. Like it was, it was a fight that we had. So it's like when my mom called, she was like, what's going on? I'm like, this is what's happening. This also is happening. I'm in a relationship with this other guy and blah, blah, blah. blah. She was like, oh, Okay. Like, just like, (laughs) don't tell me anymore. Like, just kind of like, I, this, you went zero to 60 real quick. And I also just don't know what the fuck you're saying. I tried to explain to her what, you know, polyamory was. And she just like, didn't really know how to comprehend it, which is also okay. Like I wasn't, I wasn't anticipating for her to understand it. Um, I also like live deeply in this, in this like sentiment that, the most important family for me is my daughters and John, my husband. And so if they feel safe and secure, that's my first priority, no matter what. What my family might think about everything else really doesn't matter because like they are now in my eyes considered extended family. Like they're not my main priority in terms of 
where I need to place like energy or, you know, responsibility with. And so while my parents don't really quite know, they actually met Chris back in February because Chris was over for Olivia's birthday and my parents just came over out of nowhere. And my mom was having this full blown loving conversation with Chris. And she's like, I like this guy. He travels. he like speaks everywhere. And I'm like looking at my mom going, I speak. I travel everywhere to talk. And she goes, right. yeah, but, he, but he's gone to Israel and he goes to Europe and blah, blah. I'm like, you're totally bypassing me right now for this white guy that you just fucking met, mom. Thanks very much. And I just was like sitting there thinking, should I tell her? Like, should I tell her that like, (laughs) should it happen right now? She's totally meeting my other partner and she has no fucking clue. And so I am just, (laughs) but loves him. But loves him. him. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let this happen. And, and there are times where my mom is like texted during, you know, this pandemic and she's like, how is everybody? And I'm like, everyone's great. Chris is coming over for a barbecue. And she's like, Chris, what does he live there now? And I go, no, but he's in our like pandemic bubble. Like he's like part of our bubble. And she's like, oh, okay. (laughs) So while I think she might have an assumption, she doesn't fully know. And I also don't know how she's going to think about it. And part of me also kind of doesn't care. Like I'm really thriving and really happy. And I'd like to hope that her being my mom and me knowing what motherhood feels like, that all you want for your kids is for them to be happy Mm -hmm. and for them to be able to like just live free in being who they are and being expressive. And um, yeah, so she doesn't really know, but both my parents met him. And then John's family knows because they obviously listen to the podcast. Um, right. And his, he had a really beautiful conversation with his sister about it to just try to understand more. And at first, it was kind of the same thing. Like what you said earlier, Laura, like you just immediately when you hear about polyamory or open relationships, it's like couples who just are, are bored of each other and trying to find like an easy way out or you know, whatever, like escapism, which I think what's sad to me is that it does happen. Those are stories out there. So that is, that is a reality for some people. Um, and so when his sister had a conversation with us, she was like, okay, I, I understand now. Like I get it. I I totally can see how this works for you guys. I mean, it's not for me. And like I said, for, for everybody who gets in conversation with us, it's like, we're not here to try to convert you <laughs> like this no. and also this isn't a religion so it's not there's no converting there's no trying to like you know get someone to like become non-monogamous at all it's 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 just like this is just what works for us and we're really happy that we found something that works for us but isn't it like that with anything that's a little non-traditional is it's like totally most people have like kind of a judgment about it. Like I had a judgment about it. And then the more you learn and the more you understand and the more you talk to people, you start to realize like, Oh, not that big of a deal anymore. Yeah. I feel like it's like that with anything that's not traditional that you don't fully understand. Yeah. Yeah. Sex especially. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the sex part is hard because for a long period of time, I mean, if you think about like, if you think about just a woman, just our womanhood in general, like, we didn't get rights until the 1950s, 1960s. That's not long ago that we actually finally had rights for ourselves. And as women, that we were able to be seen as individuals and 
potentially close to equal. And, and still now, it's still a fight for women to be seen as equal, right? Mm-hmm. And so the idea that a woman can actually have a choice in her sex life is still kind of a new concept for our society. Yeah. Still a very new concept for our society. Yeah. What are you hoping this, your relationships teach your daughters about sex, relationships, life? What are you hoping? My biggest hope is that, especially as, as women, as girls, right? Like I'm raising two queens, that they can look within themselves to define how they want to live their lives, how they want to love how they want to show up in their own sexuality as a woman and they can do it fiercely by defining their own fucking rules. Like that's my biggest hope. And also just acceptance in, in themselves and other people. That's Cause I think if I, quote right there, yeah, yep. yeah. Like I think about this, I think about her, my, my daughter's friend, she's 18 if I felt that confident back then to be able to be like, you know what, this is what I believe in. I could only imagine the woman I, I could be now. And I, and I know I'm pretty fucking amazing. Um, but I just, I could only imagine what, where my energy could have been if I could just be fully fucking comfortable living in my own skin, living in my own beliefs, living in my own truth. Like what could I have done for this world? Oh my God. Point? Yeah. It's incredible. I feel like your daughters are going to be so strong and just like so dynamic and so empathetic too. And like understanding of other people and the way that they live and accepting, which is the most beautiful thing and so relevant right now. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about activists, which is kind of funny. Like she's like totally out there trying to get all of her teenage friends to like sign petitions right now. It's beautiful to like witness. And I'm like, I, I wish I grew up in a household that allowed for that, but I'm also really glad that I didn't because then I knew exactly as a parent what I didn't want. My 16 year old, it was so beautiful. Like two weeks ago, she said, you know what, mom? And I go, what? She goes, I really love myself as a 16 year old girl to say like, I love myself is like mind blowing, right? It's mind blowing. Right. And so she was like, I really love myself and I am so grateful that you guys are my parents. And I was like, you know, I could die tomorrow. Like I could literally, that's all I need. That's all I need. Like, that's all I need. The fact that my 16 year old daughter can say that she loves herself. That's all I could ever fucking ask for. And I, I know that that's the, the, the reason why she's able to be the way that she is is because John and I show up in the way that we do. We show up brutally honest and we show up radically transparent and we just show up as ourselves, even when it's messy um, and even when we're not really sure. And that shows them that they can accept that they're, they're messiness too, right? And they can accept like their fault lines and they can, they can just be a work in progress. And um, I think even like now with with me being in relationship with Chris and Chris in our lives, like she gets to see a different, she gets to experience a whole different set of like intellectual conversation that she would have never been exposed to before. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she gets to see like her mom thriving in, in a, in a relationship that is a little bit unconventional is even more beautiful. Cause she's like, well, bullshit. Like, I guess as a woman, I can literally shape whatever the fuck I want mm-hmm. in whatever way I want. As long as everybody feels safe, 
happy, secure, and they know that they've got autonomy, like it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. I mean, I just think of myself as a 16 year old, as an 18 year old, as a 21 year old, even like literally running from myself, Mm -hmm. running from any emotion that I had because I didn't know how to express it or what to do with it, you know? And the fact that, and I know that's not just me and the fact that you guys have like shown openly consistently how to express and how to deal with your emotions and that it's okay to be different than your friend or to think differently is just going to provide them with so much power and so much capability. It's really cool. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm, I'm excited to witness them, Mm -hmm. like just become who they are. It's going to be so fucking cool. Mm. So what we love about, or I've said this multiple times this episode, is that what I love about your relationship is like, like the dead honesty, like the brutal honesty that you guys give. And obviously you don't have to be in a polyamorous relationship to be that honest, right? So for those of us who are, you know, believe in monogamy, but might not have that honesty with our partners or have never had that before, what are some tools that you would recommend to get to that type of level? Yeah. I mean, I think in terms of exploring honesty within your relationships, like ask yourself first, what does it mean to be honest with yourself? Like that is probably the first and foremost like thing. We always like talk about um, the need to be very self-aware to be in any relationship is is probably one of the most biggest key factors. And then having self-compassion because when you start learning how to speak very vulnerably and very honestly, you're going to have to also understand the responsibility of sometimes those those hard truths or those hard conversations or those honest things that you're going to be sharing with another person might not be received in the way that you want it to be received. And that's okay too. Mm -hmm. And so if you can first and foremost find emotional safety within yourself of, okay, I'm going to say this and I'm also going to accept that it can be received really well or it can be received really shitty. Like that's the first step is just knowing to not have an attachment on what that outcome is supposed to look like before having that conversation or even that honest like moment. And then when you go in there, like get fucking curious, like get curious, like remove as much judgment as you can and look at the conversation from a lens of maybe a five-year-old or an eight-year-old with literally just pure curiosity and asking a shit ton of questions. Because for us, like, getting curious and staying in that childlike curiosity has really helped for us to expand our, our conversation and just our, our mentality around things. Um, and then be patient with yourself and have enough time to like explore some of those thoughts and be okay with telling somebody, you know what, I don't know if I have an answer for that yet, or I don't know how I feel about what you just shared with me. I'm going to process this for a moment. Mm-hmm. And give yourself permission to do that. I think we like live in such a, we live in a society that wants answers right away and we want definitive answers and we don't give enough space for people to change their mind. And we have to, like, we really have to get to a place where we can allow for someone to change their mind, even in conversation. Mm-hmm. So that we can allow for that space and that growth. So yeah, I think it just, just get curious, 
like approach it with a childlike nature, get even curious with yourself. And then a lot of patience because becoming radically honest with a partner or a person, interpersonal or professional relationship is going to take some practice just like fucking yoga, right? Like you're not going to get it right the first time and you're never going to get it right because you're going to be different every single fucking day. Mm -hmm. So that's my biggest kind of like advice for that. I also feel like just trying to forget or push by the wayside what we feel society expects from us Um, and going back to that time when you guys first knew each other, whether it was a friendship or just initially dating, because I know for myself currently, I'm in a relationship with someone that I was friends with for years. And that's why it's different because whenever we get into some type of deep conversation, whether it be a disagreement or an argument or whatever, I allow myself to take a step back and remember the way I would approach the situation if we were just friends again. And it kind of takes a little bit of that like past experience from other arguments or other shit you've been through with your partner. And you're able to look at them as like a human being, Mm -hmm. right? And like allow them to have their thoughts and their thoughts and just like um, it be okay and look at them like they're just another person, another friend and approach it that way, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of, um, how your children see you like, Oh, my parents are also just people mm-hmm. like, they're not just my parents, like they're people too. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And it's okay for them to like think differently and to have different feelings. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you're able to be more accepting and more understanding of a person. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you brought that up because it reminds me of the times when even now when I'm in, when I'm experiencing whatever stress or whatever that I might be experiencing with life, um, I'll, I'll have to look at John and say, I'm coming to you as a friend right now. Mm. I need you as a friend. If that's mm-hmm. okay. If I can access you as a friend, can I like have your friendship in this moment? And this way he removes like that, like that lover, that partner, that like husband, the, the dad of your kids kind of lens. And he looks at me as just like, okay, this person that I just want to be in conversation with, which he normally loves to do that with people. He really does. And so it gives him an opportunity to set himself up for success in listening too. Yeah, it's really cool. That's a good way to approach it. I love that. How do you feel, I guess, sexually these days? Because you're a mother, you have, you know, two, you have a loving husband and a loving partner. So how does that like manifest in itself sexually for you? Oh my God. I, I feel so just creatively free right now. Like just creatively free to speak, to be in my work, to be alive you know, and, and when I started really kind of exploring what is sexuality for people, like what is sexuality? And if you think about like chakras and stuff, like your sexuality is rooted in your sacral chakra. And that is also home of expression. And I currently just feel like I can fully express myself in a way that's just brutally honest. And that is a feeling that I can't ever... I don't know if I'll ever be able to go back. Like now that I know that of myself and now that I feel that, like there's no going back. Mm -hmm. And it's not about like 
like when I say that, it's like, it's not about like, there's no going back to monogamy because, you know, Hey, I might change my mind. I might be like, you know what? Like I love being polyamorous, but I just want a monogamous setup right now because it's too much. Like I might, I might do that in a couple of years, who knows? Um, but the fact that I know that I can actually fully express myself it, like that, that, that powerfully because my sexuality and my sexual power has just been so turned on, then it, it, it seeps into every single part of my life in a way that is integrated. Mm-hmm. That feels a whole lot more integrated. It's like when you finally take full control over your life. Mm. That's like the power. Like I just sense kind of like your powerfulness. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had that sense when I finally kind of started taking control of my finances. Mm. That's like a power that I've never felt before. And I will never go back because I know yeah. what it is being here. Right. Yeah. Which is right. really cool. Yeah. That just gave me chills because I'm going to definitely talk to you about the finances. But you inspire us so much about that, which is oh. so freaking amazing. Yeah. It is you really inspire incredible. me to just like be more open and more confident because I feel like for me, I've, I've been having this like thought in my mind where I don't know. I mean, like I, I feel like I've given myself this like Madonna complex of mm. just even though I don't have children, I've just like been in a relationship for seven years and I have, you can hear (laughs) dogs in the background. (laughs) That was perfect timing. (laughs) Right. And I just feel like I've lost kind of like that sexual energy that I had when I was younger. And I'm just like really striving to get that back right now. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know the feeling. I mean, I talk about it all the time, how women have been amputated from their sexual energy and they get like that in different parts of their life. It's, it's, it's part of the process because we don't talk about, we don't talk about the fact that your sexuality should be an integrated part of your being as a person. It's Mm -hmm. just part of who you are. You are a sexual creature, period. No, no, no discussions to that. You are a sexual creature. And sex has been shamed in so many different formats and so many different ways that it's so hard for even, even a guy. I mean, guys have more permission, but definitely there have been moments where, you know, I, I know like John will say like, yeah, I, I don't even know if I can smile at a woman when I'm seeing her walking down the street because mm. I, I feel like men have been, have been have been taught that they're predators and their own, like they've, they've, they've been taught and conditioned that like what they do is shitty too. And there's, there are, you know, there's shitty situations or shitty behaviors, but there's also genuine men out there who want to offer a smile and they don't even know if they can, mm-hmm. because are they going to be fucking told that they're like a pervert for smiling? Right. That's mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And when John told me that I was like, Oh, Wow. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. He was like, yeah, there are so many times I want to compliment a woman, but like, can I, do I have permission to? I know it, it sucks because you have those guys that are just really genuinely interested in complimenting yeah. someone, but I just like left the house for the first time last week and like two months to go to yeah. a, a baby shower. And then I literally had a guy chasing me in a car, in a car to ask me for my number. Like that's the stuff that makes women uncomfortable. Right. Is like all you right. need is that one experience and that it wasn't yeah. just the one experience, but all you yeah. need is that experience to to make women feel uncomfortable about casual just like daily goings on with men. Yeah. yeah. So it's not fair, but it's also just like 
yeah. the world that it is now, unfortunately. Right, right, yeah. right, right. I mean, it, it, it's, it sucks. And like, I know I think about like the encounters I've ever had and whether they're snarky or not, like I always like tend to flip it somehow, you know, like I remember just a guy was just like, Hey, yo, what's up girl? I was like, Hey, yo, what's up guy? Like, like just to fucking throw it back. It's like, do you like that? <laughs> yeah, totally. Like that. And or he's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's oh, funny yeah. because then they get, they get like super uncomfortable because they're yeah. just like, they're not used to that like powerful energy yeah, coming from a woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I love. I sometimes love doing that. Or like, I remember this guy, Asia. You're gonna love this. This dude was like, "Hey, yo, what's up, ma? I love Oriental women." And I was like, "Hey, I ain't a rug." <laughs> you- I was like, I "I'm not a rug." I'm sorry. Oh my god, I haven't heard that word in so long. I was like, so wow. Also, I'm Pacific Islander. Also, I'm not a rug, but thank right. you. <laughs> I'm really glad you Ooh. like Oriental women. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Thanks, dude. Not a rug. Not a rug. Right, right. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. What an awesome like conversation this time. Yeah, dude, I thank love you guys. this conversation so much. Thank you guys so much. I mean, it's it's been, um, it's been a journey to be able to, you know, feel comfortable to be able to speak about this with women. Mm -hmm. And, And I mean, it's funny, just even in this podcast, sharing my experiences about telling women my thoughts when I was younger and how I almost wanted to like just freaking throw my thoughts back into my mouth, you know, Mm -hmm. and to be able to be here in conversation with you is like almost healing some of those old wounds. So Mm -hmm. thank you for that because the first people that we told um, about our polyamorous relationship happened to be our two best friends who are two gay guys and they held space for us so beautifully. Mm -hmm. And so coming out to women for me has been really challenging because it's that fear of judgment that I have to also fight. So thank you guys for this conversation. I feel well, thank like you because it's also been so informative for us on many levels, right? Mm-hmm. Understanding yeah. the relationship and the sexuality part, but also understanding how to maybe be more open in our own relationships, yeah. which is really cool. So Absolutely. thank you. And yeah. I was just going to say, I, I feel like um, kind of, I'm excited to see what you know, your daughter's generation and Laura and I obviously don't have kids, but when we do what, what they end up becoming, because I feel like our generation right now is more open and honest to kind of owning up to who we are. Mm -hmm. And we didn't necessarily have that growing up through our parents. And that's not through the father of, of our parents. It's just like a generational thing. Yeah. So I can only imagine the power that we are currently feeling, how that will then transcend to our daughters. Oh my God. It's going to be fucking amazing. I'm like literally chills. My like whole body has like goosebumps because I could just, like I I was saying, like I could only imagine what it would be like if I had safety like this Mm -hmm. years ago. Yeah. And for those who do right now, fuck dude, more power to you guys, please run with it. Beautiful world. Give us a beautiful world. So at least we can experience that for a couple of years while we're really old, you know? Right. <laughs> in our we'll six, live vicariously through you all. Yeah. <laughs> we're well, like, you know, when, if we were going through a hard bullshit, you guys wouldn't have had this world. Like, like right? I can't wait for them for us to fucking see that. <laughs> well, we love oh you. Thank goodness. you so oh, much. For yeah, so thank you, Joe. Thank it you so much. absolutely incredible. Yeah, we really you appreciate so you. Yeah, I appreciate you guys so much too. Thank you. 
Yes, we love you. And then when, where can people find you? Because I know they're going to want to know more. Yeah. Yeah. So you can find me on everything social at GoFitJo, G-O-F-I-T-J-O. My website, GoFitJo.com. You can also find me on my podcast with John um, at Hella Married. That's just Hella Married. We're also on Instagram too. Um, And then our website for Hella Married is hellamarried.wtf. What the fuck? I know I saw that. That's <laughs> Do you ever plan on having Chris on to one of your episodes? Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about it. We definitely have because I want to see those two banter. Like, honestly, they're I, – I have said this to both of them, and I've said this multiple times everywhere. If for whatever reason – the relationship, the three of us, like the polyamorous relationship falls apart. If like I end up, you know, separating from John or if me and Chris end up separating, my biggest hope is that those two guys will still stay friends mm. because their relationship, like I, I deeply know them. Right. And so they have both as humans, as men have been searching for a friendship that they can lean on mm-hmm. and they found it in this interesting, weird polyamorous dynamic, but it is so beautiful to watch. It's so beautiful to see how they support each other as men. And I'm just like, I, I don't want that to go away. If anything, like I would want that to be the thing that sustains, sustains itself. That's so beautiful. That's true love, man. It's been scary to come out and it's been scary to, you know, be in a woman empowerment role and, and like, to literally, literally be like, I'm, I'm fucking tearing down the patriarchy in my entire household. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly <laughs> happening in terms of everything. And it's really quite frightening because, you know, typically like what you conventionally see with most polyamorous setups like this is that the woman is bisexual and has a female partner. Mm. Rarely, like it's out there, but rarely do you see a woman with two men mm-hmm. and the amount of shit that I've honestly gotten from like both sides has been just so interesting. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like okay. just from followers or just, I mean, they're like no face followers, like, you right. know, just, you know, they're, they're faceless and nameless, but yeah. you know, the men don't understand it. Like they think John's like totally being manipulated. And so some women also think that too. And I'm like, he has agency. He can fucking go. Yeah. Yeah. He can leave. We're not staying for the kids. And the kids fucking know that. Like, mm-hmm. even the kids are like, we don't want you to stay just for us. I'm like, right. cool, because we wouldn't. Well, like, I we mean, wouldn't. Any, anytime you have, like, an uncomfortable situation for anyone, of course there's going to be hate. Yeah. Of course. But they fetish, but because two women have been fetishized in our culture, mm, it's, it's so more, okay. much more accepted. Yeah. It's more acceptable. It's hot. It's hot. Right. It's hot. And then, of course, for the guy, for the husband, be like, well, duh. Like, he gets to fucking witness two girls, like, going at it. Right. So that's why, like, it's, like, a very interesting dynamic um, in terms of that. Because it, it, it's, it's very much so, like, if I was with another woman, it would be way more acceptable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Way more acceptable. But the fact that I'm with two guys and that they're not in relationship sexually with each other or romantically is, right. a, is a very different thing, too. Yeah. So. I feel like now's the time, man, to just like bust out your true fucking story. wave your weird yeah. flag right now. Like it's, right. it's nothing this, 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 this is it. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. This is the time. Well, we've got you. We've got your back. For yeah. sure. Oh, thank you guys we'll so much. Yeah. Yes, yes. I can't wait for you for us to like actually be in company with each other and then for you guys to see the guys and yeah. like to Have see the relationship together. together. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's it's 
when people finally get to like see us physically when they when they first meet us and or when they first are like in our experience they're just like wow okay like this is i can see like why this is so incredible for all of you Mm -hmm. you guys all balance each other out it's crazy but yeah it's so it's so cute i love it it's really cute it (laughs) makes my heart swell it's awesome (laughs) to just see people happy you know yeah Yeah. there's a lot at the end of the day that's all like people who love you that's all they care about yeah yeah i mean for sure for sure so thank you guys thank you thank you